Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, two, three. The original Ragamuffin DJ. Nasty, nasty. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, today we have an amazing session uh, planned with some awesome and amazing people. Um, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. They are, in my mind, some of the most brilliant and courageous women I know. And, um, and I think this is going to be a very fruitful discussion. Um, so let's, uh, I'll start. Uh, who wants to go first? Introduce yourself. Melissa? <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm Melissa. Um, I feel I teach at UG and I'm generally disruptive. So that's how I introduce myself. <laughs> Salima? Hi, I'm Salima Hines, a Guyanese woman. Uh, um, just here trying my best, you know, to challenge certain things in Guyana. So definitely will call myself a Guyanese feminist. Um, yeah, that's about it, basically. And um, Akola? Akola Thompson here. Um, writer and like all the ladies on here a very strong feminist and so looking forward to the discussions we're gonna have today yes so i am karen abrams um i am just uh think of me as the troublemaker uh in general and um and today i think we're going to have a really really fruitful discussion and a chance to to, to share some ideas and to um, dive a little deeper on some of the issues that affect not only us, but, um, but women in general, Guyanese women, and, and you know, women all over the world. Um, right now, we are dealing with a situation in Guyana where um, you know, we're dealing with this COVID-19 COVID uh, virus issue, which has caused some consternation amongst um, the population, as you can, as you can uh, imagine, and, and really this is happening all over the world. But we, we also have an additional issue, which is um, we have a bit of elections controversy. So um, let's start, let's start, uh, let's start, any one of you who want to start, let's talk about a little bit about anxiety. How, how are you guys feeling? How are you feeling today? Anybody feeling anxious about anything? Um, today is actually one of the first days in a very long time that I haven't felt as anxiety-ridden since, like, the whole COVID thing has started. And I'm not sure what's behind that, but I am thankful for whatever brief periods from that I get. And so I'm sure a lot of people also are very anxious because these are very, very uncertain times that we are living in. And I think it's really a period in which we need to prioritize mental health care. Because if we allow our minds to just rest right now, I think a lot of things can go wrong. Yeah. So prioritizing mental health care definitely is one of the things I've been trying to do. Yeah, I have to say that I've been anxious all day today I, and I couldn't tell you why I don't specifically know why I just feel like that fluttering in my in my chest and um, this afternoon maybe an hour ago is when it actually stopped so 
I, I certainly can relate to this. Um, anyone else want to talk about anxiety? Yeah, I'm, I'm perpetually anxious. I, I feel anxious about every single thing, all times, at all times, every day, all day. I'm anxious for myself, but more so I'm anxious for members of my family who I know um, are dealing with some very, very challenging situations. Um, it didn't help that another close member of my family recently died from um, COVID-19. And I, I hadn't experienced both with the process of her hospitalization and then her burial. And it really struck me um, going through those processes that um, we are not ready. We are not prepared. I don't think that you know, the world is prepared. That render us less prepared than others. Um, so, personally, for me, I I am perpetually anxious. I, I have this tendency to to read and read and read and read. I, I try to figure everything out, and I want to know every single thing, um, and that has not been helpful. So, over the last couple of days, I have literally been consciously deciding not to read certain stories, not because I don't want to know, but because I recognize that it is increasing my anxiety. So yeah, that's, that's where I am. And I, and I think in this time, I, I feel there's information overload because it's something that's like completely new that everyone basically is now trying to deal with and understand. Every day is like a new bit of information. Um, so for me too, the anxiety has been real wow. and I've all, but also to stop sharing certain things. Um, so even like in my social media space, even, even if I read an article, um, that talks about death and these things, I try not to share it because I feel like it's just more negative energy and there are people connected to me and it's like, you're just sharing that kind of anxiety. Um, so I'm trying to make a conscious effort that if I do share things, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a positive feel-good story because I think you're right now, that's not going to happen. At least stories to show maybe progress or solutions or people helping. Um, because like you said, Melissa, it's like really, it's really easy to get sucked into like this cyclone of information and who said this and um, numbers because every every day you see numbers climbing people who are not recovering and it's really 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 too much so you got to be really conscious of what your um what spaces are like um i i often think about also that they're, they're like people who are dealing with issues like um um you know where am i gonna find my next meal like um you know, there are vendors who can't yeah. vent right now and, you know, people with some, some real, real, um, some really heavy issues to deal with. Um, I saw, I saw a story the other day and it goes back to exactly what you said, Salima, these negative stories, but some of these stories like, like, like our cries for help, you know, there was this young girl who was being abused up in the quarantine or burpee somewhere and they finally, I think they found her yesterday or today. She's 14 years old. Um, and she had shared her story online. Um, stuff like that um, is just so, it's, those stories are pervasive and, and, and yet, you know, um, 
if you are someone who absorbs that sort of thing, like takes it to heart, it could really be damaging to your mental. But on the other hand, um, you know, I, I think like these are real issues that we need to be aware of. So like, you know, you can help, you can offer some sort of help or suggestion or, um, you know, to, 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 the, to the situation. I mean, what, what do y'all think? What, what other coping strategies would you advise for the public out there? Hmm. Ugh, that's a, that's a um, tough one. Uh, I suppose part of it for me, I, I recognize how privileged I am. I mean, I can literally stay home. Um, yeah. My job allows it um, and I have sufficient resources to do so. And I recognize that the overwhelming majority of Guyanese parents might not necessarily be in the situation that I am in. Mm. So it identify as it were, or to suggest, you know, that we should stay home. And, and I used to say this all the time, but to tell you the truth, um, I've hesitated saying it, not because I don't believe it will help, but because I don't believe um, making people feeling guilty mm -hmm. about making a choice between potentially catching this disease and taking care of them, fa their families is is helpful um for me one of the things that i have been trying to do in terms of just in my own space be of some sort of assistance is to try to identify people who i know who might have specific uh challenges mm -hmm. and in some way try to see how and if i can address it um it's a very individual effort mm. um, sufficiently empowered at this particular stage to mm. do something broader mm. um, and something more collective mm. so it's I, I am at the stage where I am just identifying or I have identified very specific people um, mm. and supported them in whatever ways but it means purchasing groceries for them or it means giving them some money so they can purchase the groceries Mm -hmm. um, for themselves um, mm -hmm. or doing some runs for a few people mm -hmm. on the few occasions when I have to go out I'll call and say look I'm going out do you want ABC or what do you want I can pick mm -hmm. it up for you mm -hmm. um, so that's my own particular mm -hmm. strategy for mm -hmm. being of assistance but I mentally I don't think I'm in the space where mm -hmm. I can engage and or do anything broader than that yeah 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 that's totally understandable Asalima, you were saying like, like, um, like, just take a step back from the, um, Akola. Akola. No, I was just um agreeing with Melissa, saying that we really need to recognize the importance of um staying informed, yes, but also acknowledging what's in our control and what we're able to do at a mm -hmm. certain point. And mm -hmm. as much as we support um community care and mutual aid and stuff like that, we also need to recognize that and i feel like this is something that black women in particular have to deal with when it comes to the idea of the superwoman where yes. you always need to go out and save in somebody and it, sometimes it's just okay to cater for yourself and look out for yourself because you need to prioritize you a lot of times and i mean where you can you offer help but yeah 
Yeah. No, absolutely. And you know what I found? I found like people get so used to seeing you in the superwoman role that it doesn't even occur to them that you might have moments and times at which you need support. You know, <clears throat> at least this is my experience. Um, you know, or it makes people uncomfortable when to see you in a role where you need help. Um, they're so to, quite often people are so used to seeing like this strong black woman um, meme or, 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 or image. And, um, and yeah. I think there's a downside to that. There's definitely a downside to that. It doesn't allow us room sometimes, you know. Salima? Well, I think one thing um, with this COVID situation is an opportunity, not only for the individual, but collectively for us to reflect on what we mean by community, um, how we treat vulnerable persons. And I think one part of my anxiety has been, I mean, this is not news to me. I always know that in Guyana, to be vulnerable is one of the worst things. And so for me, like that bit of my anxiety has been like, not so much the health impact, which is very real, but I'm thinking, what's well, going to happen to Diana, to women, especially um, in a couple of months, you know, especially the economic impact. And there is a sense of powerlessness because what could I as an individual possibly do? Mm-hmm. Right. And while it's good that we can, help our friends or mm-hmm. whatever small circle we can. I mean, this thing really needs a bigger, mm-hmm. a bigger solution. Mm-hmm. And a part of me is really concerned where I see a lot of times there are people out here who's doing their own individual things. Mm-hmm. They're handing out food hampers. They're mm-hmm. making masks. They're giving it out. You know, that's really great. But mm-hmm. then we need to start asking some tougher questions on citizens what's the state's responsibility to ensure that we're cushioned Mm -hmm. um, as individuals and not just helping businesses but helping individuals that really need it Mm -hmm. how are we moving forward after this that's my one of my major concerns Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when you say vulnerable um earlier on how can you can you break that down a little bit more what what did you mean you mean physically mentally uh economically economically Economic uh, vulnerabilities, yeah. um, people who are vulnerable because of their age, mm-hmm. um, they're, you know, people who have, you know, they're differently abled, mm-hmm. um, what's going on with them, there are people who are dependent on certain services mm-hmm. that you can't stay home and get those services. How are mm-hmm. people like those going to be reached and served? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's a, one of my major issues, like, you know, living in Guyana is that I don't think and so while you could tell someone stay home and stock up for two weeks mm-hmm. I, I mean i've personally been in a situation where i didn't have enough money to last to buy me groceries to last me two weeks mm-hmm. so what are you going to tell someone who's literally buying rations mm-hmm. on a weekly basis could she mm-hmm. or he just stay home and stock up their pantry for two weeks or a month like Things like that we really need to think about for responses. Yep. So, I mean, so if you're going, like, like if you just, if you're just going and buying a little bit and, I mean, 
we need to stay home. We need to flatten the curve, yes. But then, like, you know, Melissa's saying, you know, not everybody's realities allow them to make those decisions. And then it comes back again. I mean, it's not really a choice if you're forced into it. I think we need to be a little more cognizant of people's reality. And we need to find solutions to make it easier for people to make safe choices for themselves and their communities. Mm. I mean, yeah. for me, this particular circumstance is extraordinary. It's not normal. It's not anything that we have ever experienced in our lives. Mm. Um, and we are different ages. And I don't think it will be anything that likely we will experience again um, for a very long time. Um, and so for me, I, I think really what it calls for is a kind of extraordinary solution. And, and I think Salima is right. I mean, in terms of the role of the state and us interrogating, well, what's the role of the state in this particular um, mm -hmm. event? I mean, what role should the state play? Traditionally, mm -hmm. we don't have a very strong welfare structure in place. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we give people the bare minimum mm -hmm. Or below subsistence kind of grant that is given, whether as old age pension, etc. Um, and so, for me, at this particular point, bearing in mind where we are, bearing in mind the uniqueness of this particular phenomenon, this particular pandemic, there we can't have the normal kinds of discussions about what is the role of the state. Frankly, the state has to play a role. People will not be able to survive, and it has mm -hmm. to be able to come up with some kind of, of package that will allow people to live. I mean, and this is just on a day-to-day -day basis. This has nothing to do with, there are even people who decide, look, I want to go out um, and work. I need to be able to eat, so I have to go out. And I have, I'm a vendor. I have to go and set up my, my mm -hmm. container wherever to sell the food that I prepare on a daily basis. Who's mm -hmm. there? Who's passing? Mm -hmm. Who's going to buy it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are real. Those are real. Willingness to go out, the guys. They're selling down. Yeah, I mean, selling down by Guyana store, selling the nets. Who's going to buy nets at this mm -hmm. particular point? You know, mm -hmm. but these are heads of households. Mm -hmm. You know, who need to eat? Their families need to eat, and I and I absolutely believe that the state has to play a role. Um, mm -hmm. Whether it means that we don't have a balanced but a balanced budget, mm -hmm. so be it. At the end of the day, people, we have to find ways to assist people so that they could survive, so that they could feed their families and so that they could stay, you know, alive. I mean, this is not normal. And I think sometimes when we are discussing these things, we discuss it in context of normality as though this is somehow, you know, something that we could address fairly easily or using the normal kinds of criteria and rubric that we use to evaluate. But I don't think we can, and, and we have to force the state. I think I think one of the, the individual um, kinds of persons coming in, they won't cut it. Yeah, useful and helpful and appreciated, but it wouldn't cut it. So, so you don't believe the um, something like the CDC program where everybody gets a hamper um, in, is is sort of a, a part of that solution? I mean, I am troubled, in fact, by this, 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 um, this whole process of even giving out, um, you know, hampers and the way in which and the mechanisms that are used to, to do it, the way in which it's done. 
I personally don't need a hamper. So you mm -hmm. saying, you know, we're giving to 200,000 households, every household in Guyana. There are many people who don't need it, but there are people who are going to need it four or five times. Right. I mean, my household is comprised of two. There are right. other households that are comprised of, of 15, you know, right. or 10. Right. You know, figure out who mm -hmm. to give what to um, mm -hmm. or who needs and who doesn't need and how many times they need. For mm -hmm. me, that is a real deficiency of the, of the process. And in mm -hmm. part, it is why I believe that we need to simply, I mean, apart from giving people some of these materials, and I'm not suggesting that they, they shouldn't and ration, um, give people money, let people figure out what their needs are, prioritize their needs, and mm -hmm. take care of their needs by purchasing whatever they need. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that for me is, is, is a more real solution than you mm -hmm. coming and giving me flour and rice. I don't particularly cook, so why am I getting flour and rice? Shame you on know, you! Um, <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, I find mechanism is, is I don't know. I, I get the intent behind it, but yeah. I don't think it is really solving the problem. It is... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, problem, as far as I'm concerned, the deprivation and the need that exists in some societies. Uh, Salima, I know you wanted to jump in here. Salima? Salima? Akola? Yes. So you you want to you wanna chime in? Yeah, when it comes to the role of the state, I really think that um, the measures that have been implemented so far, I mean, quarantine is still one of the best ways in which to contain the spread of the virus, but mm -hmm. Solutions really need to be think, thought out a lot more because, as you mentioned, vulnerable people will be the most affected by this, whether it's poorest among us. And so having appropriate mechanisms in place to ensure that you don't just enable systems of the charity and dependency amongst the people, but mm -hmm. put some of that power into their give them mm -hmm. some control over their needs and what the things that they see as relevant at that time. Because mm -hmm. like a lot of things that the state would provide, people would find unnecessary, would not be able to use, or as Melissa rightly said, have no use for it. Mm -hmm. And so I really think that there was a lot of deficiencies when it came to planning. And I know that we had to act very quickly and this is something that's very new, but mm -hmm. there are a lot of examples available out there in how to effectively manage such crises. And so I just think it's not only a lack of intentional leadership, but a sort of apathy to poor people and the vulnerable amongst us. And I'm not sure what these sort of half measures are going to do, because I don't think that in the end, they will necessarily curb the spread of the virus. I just think that it's going to, I, I can't hear you. Well, I, I can't hear you, Okola. I don't know if if you stop talking, but um, um, for full disclosure, I mean, I I spoke to some of the folks from the CDC. I was able to hear. Her. I, I I spoke to some of the folks from the CDC today. Um, that's the group responsible for the hampers and 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 the people i spoke with sounded like um they're well intelligent well-intentioned people 
Um, and, they and <laughs> like, they, like they understood, like they understood the problem, you know, and, and they identified some issues that they face. Um, so it's not an easy road for them either. You know what I mean? But, but these are things, you know, this is the kind of interrogation we have to do going forward. If we really want these systems to change, it's like, um, you know, we have to question these processes and or make recommendations um, for how the systems could be improved. Salima, I see you're back on. Did you want to chime in here? Well, you know, during this whole, um, as this thing is going, going on and I'm processing it, I remember a couple months ago, there was this whole back and forth about cash transfers to Guyanese people. Uh-huh. And um, I'm in the camp where I'm for universal base, basic income. Of mm-hmm. course, that's not something that could be implemented in an emergency response. Um, but just thinking forward, because there will be economic ramifications of COVID-19 on Guyana. There's no doubt about it. And I hope that, you know, we can have systems in place, we can have leadership in place, mm-hmm. that we, we, should, we shouldn't be debating about improving the lives of people. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why it's up for, up for debate. But mm-hmm. I hope that, you know, moving forward as, as a measure, you know, Mm-hmm. very seriously and put money in the pockets of, of citizens mm-hmm. um, and I mean, you know it's not it, it shouldn't be seen as charity it mm-hmm. shouldn't be seen as a, a handle it's an investment mm-hmm. in people and mm-hmm. people will need unfortunately in a system where you need money to have access to certain goods and services mm-hmm. and that is going to be drastically affected um, you know, even if COVID-19 isn't the issue at the end of this month, mm-hmm. people have been let go of their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, people are try- still trying to figure out what they're going to be doing in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. You know, Guyana is so tightly connected to the community in the diaspora. Mm-hmm. They're affected too. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, money coming from, a, from abroad is not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. All of this is going to be affected drastically. And mm-hmm. I really hope that we have some... Also need long-term solutions. Yeah, um, and and keep in mind going into this, we we were already a country where m- more than thirty percent of of adults were unemployed. So um, you know the folks who were working oftentimes were working uh, for for a number of people in the home. You know, on behalf of a number of pe- of people in the home. And when they when when the opportunities are taken away from them, then it becomes a crisis situation. Um, yeah, I mean, all, all of these are, all of these are, are relevant points. Um, and you know, our government really has to take a strong look at, at what they want to do. Um, we don't even know who, you know, which leads us into, into this issue of elections and, and how we move forward and, you know, who is the government and, um, <laughs> uh, you know, because this, this is a hot issue right now. Well, how are y'all, what are y'all thinking about elections? Um, Melissa, you, I know I've read some of your pieces. I know you have some pretty, pretty strong opinions, which I, I share as well. Um, what are you thinking? Well, um, to tell you the truth, uh, the more this pandemic um, unfolds, mm-hmm. the angrier I get mm-hmm. um, and the more frustrated I get. Mm-hmm. I'm angry at our political leaders, 
Mm -hmm. I'm frustrated that it appears to me as though their priority mm -hmm. remains access to political office mm -hmm. as the society goes through this major, major trauma. Mm -hmm. um, I don't see anything from any of the political parties mm -hmm. suggesting to me that anyone truly understands mm -hmm. um, any one of them. And, and I find it so disheartening, but as I said, it also makes me angry. So mm -hmm. as much as I am interested in the outcome of the elections, mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm angry at the political players at their level of partisanship. I mean, for me, this was a moment that could have, they could have risen to as a political elite, that they could have put aside just for a while. I mean, you get back to your normal fighting. Mm -hmm. Put aside just for a while what's happening, this political tug of war, to think about collectively the nation. Um, and so every time I read and I see the accusations being hurled back and forth, particularly coming from the opposition, trying to score quote-unquote points at this particular time, mm -hmm. um, is not where we should be. I... I hope um, I have heard suggestions that that was the case, but the, the offer wasn't taken up. But I even look at the, the task force itself, and frankly, I think it's, it's government heavy. Um, mm -hmm. It needs to diversify and bring in people from other sectors of the society, including the opposition. You know, this is not something that the quote-unquote government has to solve. So personally, as I said, I am very angry. That, that's the stage I am at. Um, and as I said, going through that process of dealing with someone who was diagnosed with the disease, mm -hmm. looking at the feeling and really experiencing the response um, and seeing the way in which our people are not pulling together to solve this pandemic. I mean, and I keep going back to this issue that this is not normal. This is not a regular occurrence. I mean, if we look around the world, other societies and to know that we have politicians who are here fighting um, over in some instances petty issues when this is happening for me it, it's it's inconceivable and it makes me very angry but sis the, the, the issue in petty the fighting over power is not petty for I them i understand that and that fight will continue that fight has been perpetual and that fight will continue but for me that fight can continue even as you decide as political elites from both sides that mm. let's work together on this, just this very specific issue. Let's mm. work together. Let's mount a national response. Let's postpone. They're going to continue fighting. We know that. that is, this is not happening or this is not ending soon. This will go on forever. Um, mm. They will continue fighting. But it just struck me that none of the two major parties even the, the overarching national interest of her. That, that, that has been my conclusion. But, but, but historically, do we even have, do we even have a, a history of being able to, 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 to work through conflicts, you know, of, um, um, of being good at conflict resolution? I mean, I just feel like everywhere you go, it's a fight. 
you fight, you, you know, you fight to the death. Somebody says something, you say something back. It's war. And, and that seems to be an entrenched part of the culture. Um, and there's, you know, there's all these fears that you, you discussed um, earlier in some of your pieces. Um, but it, it truly is, it truly is disappointing that, that they can't in this, in this time of crisis, just come together. I mean, wouldn't it be such a great look though? Wouldn't it, wouldn't this see, this would be like the perfect opportunity for the leaders to just, for somebody to step up, convince another guy across the fence. Hey man, we got to do this. Instead, you know, they, they, they are actually trying to build par parallel governments. We got parallel, par you know, yeah. a whole parallel operation going on. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. Terrible. Akola, what do you think about this, girl? Um, to be honest, I've been trying to stay away from elections for a while. I had reached a point where I had really let it take over my mind. Like, I wasn't going to sleep because I was always checking on, like, GCOM's progress and stuff like that. Mm. And after, after COVID hit and then the anxiety just kept building from that, I decided, you know, there's only one thing I can be anxious at a time. Mm. And so I just decided to like stop following up on the elections. I might occasionally read an article and just, just to see where the state of things are at, mm. but I don't see the need necessarily to follow it up. Right. Mm. No, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Salima, what were you I'm in the same boat as Melissa and as a cola. I have tuned out because again, um, there's only so much my mind can take. There's a lot of things going on, but mm -hmm. when I do like think about it, I get really angry because you know, at the end of the day, no matter which political party you represented, you were, you know, people were just all around Guyana. You're campaigning. You're meeting people. And now these same people that you're asking to vote for you, to support you, need help. And I feel the response has been as, like with most government responses, you know, heavily bureaucratic. Mm -hmm. And as Melissa said, this is not normal time. This is an emergency. You know, mm -hmm. it's like my house is on fire and you're waiting. You're waiting to have consensus. You're waiting for this person to sign this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're just, your house is on fire. I need some, I need a solution right, right now. I don't need um, meetings. And, you know, we have this culture. Let's have a lot of meetings. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about this. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I feel we have a culture where we use stakeholder engagement in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Instead of using it as, as a driving force for action, it's more as like a token thing. Oh, I have this person here. I have this person here. And I end up with these big meetings where really nothing can be done because everybody has to be present. Everybody has to have their say. And we're going around in circles. Mm -hmm. I could be completely wrong because I'm not in those rooms. Mm -hmm. But that's the impression I get when I just hear about task force meetings. But for, I, 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 need, I, I need data. I need information. What is going on? What are the calls? Mm. No, horrible experiences interacting with, with the system and then you think where is it going wrong because obviously there's a disconnect between talk and action which is the usual thing but again we're, we're in a situation where we can't operate like it's the usual 
we need to start thinking and doing differently. But I also think... understand, Karen, where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of our current government's capacity mm-hmm. and ability to mm-hmm. access money, mm-hmm. understand where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have, I'm almost sure, mm-hmm. exhausted the how much money they could get per mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. following mm-hmm. the um, dissolution of parliament. Um, mm-hmm. One third of the year's budget, is it, or a quarter? I'm yeah, not sure. some percent. Mm-hmm. Which means that all of the things that we are even talking about, mm-hmm. giving relief to citizens, etc., all of that will require parliamentary approval. Mm-hmm. And so for me, as I said, part of it is where do you recognize that this solution, this situation is so extreme mm-hmm. that even though I would like to fight for A, B, C, X, Y, Z, although I would like to fight for it mm-hmm. at this time, mm-hmm. let's take a step back, mm-hmm. deal with this particular emergency. And then when this emergency is addressed, in a way that will ensure that our citizens can survive, mm-hmm. then let's get back to there. And so for me, I mean, I, I think you made reference to some things that I would have written. So for me, part of it is, hey, can we not have an interim administration where both sides feel as though, okay, fine, I have a place at this table of mm-hmm. quote unquote power. And therefore, Mm -hmm. this is not an agreement that is long-term. We don't Mm -hmm. intend for us to rule together forever. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. to shepherd us through this particular process, through this period, let's Mm -hmm. think about working together. Mm -hmm. That, for me, is what any responsible Mm -hmm. politician in circumstances like these Mm -hmm. should be thinking about. And the fact that they're not the fact that they are prepared to let all of us go down the drain with no resources, etc., while they fight for power, for me, that's despicable. That's my personal position. I guess that's, that's, it's good for them to hear that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm even thinking about the, the safety net that we, um, Salima, Salima raised it, the safety net that we've become used to, um, which is the diaspora connection. You know, today I heard um, that 16 million people file for unemployment. That, that's a, a crazy number um, in the United States. I think it, it is something like more than 20% of the workforce or 10% of the workforce. It's a really high number. And, and, and those numbers affect our people disproportionately. And so I coupled that with some numbers I saw in 2014 from the LA Pop. Um, the LA Pop surveys, which indicated that that at least forty percent of Guyanese household uh, households um, claim that they receive a hundred dollars or more from the U.S. monthly. So that's that's a whole that's a large number of people um, who depend. And I think I think the I think the contributions from overseas amount to about fourteen percent of GDP historically. So so here you have you know a situation that's deteriorating at home. Um, People are hit economically, and the safety net is in trouble. 
And it's no small thing. As Salima mentioned it and we gloss past it, but it's a big deal because it is fundamentally the safety net we've come to rely on for the past 30 years or more. So, so that is something. In fact, um, Gordon had a story the other day. Gordon indicated that, um, I think he told me he updated the numbers today. It's, it's more like 37, close to 40 Guyanese in New York. New York alone, not the whole of US, you know. 40 Guyanese in New York who've died from, from this disease. Um, and and think, of, think of Guyanese all across. There's not more than 275,000 Guyanese in America total. So, so they're far less than our population, and they've already lost nearly 40 people. Guyana is 700-something thousand. We've only lost six people thus far, and, and probably more to come. But, but I said all that to say that New York is in trouble. Our community in New York is in big trouble, and we are inextricably tied. We, need to, we, we haven't even figured out how that's going to affect us in the long term. It's going to affect our economy in a big way here. So, so there are a lot of things going on which point to why the seriousness of the points you guys raised. Um, anybody want to contribute any more on that? All right. So, so I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, you are absolutely at the. Yeah, Karen, I was just saying that um, you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, our unemployment rates are hovering close to 40 percent um mm -hmm. and even at the youth levels you know it, it's it's greater than that um mm -hmm. when we look into the rural and interior areas the unemployment levels climbs even further and when we look amongst women the mm -hmm. unemployment rates climb even further at every age group mm -hmm. and so absolutely a lot of our Guyanese people depend upon and rely on mm -hmm. support from their mm -hmm. families abroad and if they are in trouble then mm -hmm. clearly that safety net is mm -hmm. is gone and mm -hmm. so for me you know as i said the state has to step in i mean you know you're listening to the debate in the united states and they're talking about releasing trillions <laughs> from this particular pandemic being mm -hmm. um somewhat equivalent and possibly even surpassing the period of the Great Depression. Well, in the period of the Great Depression, in that post period, that's when the United States created the welfare state. You know, mm -hmm. that's when they put all of these systems in place to cushion, you know, mm -hmm. those people who are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, and I think fundamentally, states all around the world will have to adopt that particular measure. We might not necessarily like it, you know, those who feel that people should pull themselves up by the bootstraps, mm -hmm. uh, clearly, you know, without any laces. Um, mm -hmm will basically have to take a back seat. I mean, the mm -hmm. states will have to step in um, and put the social welfare programs in place so that we could protect our, our citizens and help them to just survive. That's a good point. That's a very good point. That's, I, I almost feel like we need to be a lobbying group now because we've raised some really powerful points here um, that, that you know could easily be dismissed if they're not reproduced and and um and and spoken about all over and reinforced um you know they'll they'll just be they'll just be ignored but we we certainly can't let the the, the society degrade in the way in which it looks like like it's projected to happen um because of where we are but so anyway let's um let's uh we're, we're getting to that time i think we're about 20 minutes over our allotted time 
So we're going to prepare to wind up, but I, I would like to take this opportunity since we're all mommies, all four of us, um, to just end on a note and, and kind of think about, you know, what kind of future we want for our children um, or, or, or anything, you know, when you think of your children and, and where this country would be, you guys all have younger children than, than me. Um, but when I think 10 years, 15 years from now, what kind of country um, do I want for my children, whether it's in America or whether it's in Guyana? You know, I, I, I feel like we have to make investments today. We have to push today to make those things happen. Um, you know, I, I miss my wonderful children. They're not wonderful all the time, but I miss them. I haven't seen them in a few months. But um, Akola, what do you think? Well, what, what do you think when you think of, of your daughter? And, and I mean, you're pretty young too. You're a baby. But um, <laughs> when you think of a future for like your daughter, or even for yourself in a few years, what, what, what's in your mind? You know, as if will my daughter have a lot of the experience that I had, or will she be able to grow up more in a freer world where she's able to not only have access to certain opportunities that, you know, a lot of girls aren't able to, but just be able to be herself and not have that challenge because of some idea that women should be less than and mm -hmm. so a future visualized for me is one where we really need to start taking accountability for our men when it comes to ensuring that they take accountability for themselves because mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of times men are so coddled in this wherein mm -hmm. it comes to their power and control they have over the lives of women and mm -hmm. so I think that just not at power, but looking at the ways in which we can be constructed and ensure that how the ways in which it happens forward. Um, is that bandwidth issue or you stop talking? I can't hear. Can you all hear? No, I just stopped talking. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's. Can you hear? Me? Yeah, I just stopped talking. You want to repeat your your ending, the ending of what you said? Yeah, I think we're getting into a band band with. Um. Yeah, I was just saying that a future visual place for me is one in your body because during this period when it comes to reproductive rights and access to things like abortion covid is making that so very hard because so many um places that usually used to provide that service are now closed and down not only across america right here in guyana where persons just have no access to that service anymore and so yeah a future for me is one in which the powers that constitute and bar women in a certain mold are deconstructed and efficiently challenged and broken down because a lot of times what it tends to do is just keep women trapped in these cycles in which we can never really be able to free ourselves from. And so I think addressing that order and just trying to raise my daughter as 
a strong girl, a strong woman, and ensuring that she has ideas of how to be herself in a world that would tell her how she should or should not be. I think once she's able to grasp those concepts, I think any future for her would be one that I would be happy with. Lovely, lovely. Salima? of the young woman I would like my daughter to be. End of the day, it's not up to me, but I'm trying my best. Um, my, I think my, my worry is that the person that I'm trying to raise um, will have a hard time thriving in Guyana. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she's six, and she's already had conflict with teachers. She's already had to, which I'm very proud of her, she's already had to represent herself and make her case to her teachers. That, so she, she's not at an age where she's diplomatic. Mm-hmm. So I don't know when that age will you know, happen, but I'm, I know she's going to be a strong, intelligent, um, assertive young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, like I, I worry about the society that Guyana will be if it will create, if it will be a space for her to really grow beyond what I can do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Powerful, powerful. Mel? Uh, I, I am trying my own little part to create mm-hmm. Hello? Yeah. Yes, we're hearing you. Hello? Are we hearing you, Salima? Oh, okay. Um, so I am doing, trying to do... <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I am trying to do my own little part where, you know, she can have those spaces where she can feel free and, you know, I, you know explore and challenge. So I, and I see there's a lot of young people in Guyana who are, you know, trying to make a bit of a difference. And I can say it takes a lot of energy out of you. And I, I just hope people keep at it mm-hmm. because, you know, I love, I love Guyana. It's mm-hmm. not perfect. Um, there's lots and lots and lots of room for improvement. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes it comes back to political will, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But you know, I hope eventually we reach a point where, as Guyanese, that, that political will isn't only shared by minority, but by most of us. Because that's the only way things are going to change. Um, if we don't take back some of our control and demand the kind of lives, the amount of you deserve the kinds of lives that we need to lead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a hell of a fight, but I agree. Melissa, what do you think? Hmm. Well, I, I, uh, my daughter's older. She's 14. And to tell you the truth, I'm incredibly proud of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some respects, I recognize, and so for the, for the ladies who's daughters are younger um you know i i didn't do anything to tell you the truth specifically special with my daughter all i did was to have her around (laughs) me um and from that her her perspective on life um you know she's able to see with a certain level of clarity Mm. to see you know the the relationships and evaluate relationships and see the you know the inequity in terms of the power relations i mean and in a way in which a lot of times frankly is is quite surprising to me so sometimes i would give her a high five and say yeah you go girl you know but um i i didn't do anything specific right 
as I said, I just took her everywhere with me and she was just always in these meetings and, you know, she's always on a protest and she's mm-hmm. always in the corner, not mm-hmm. happy about it. But mm-hmm. inevitably, a lot of those experiences really seeped in. She's quiet, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but she's also very strong. And so I, I expect her really to rule the world. I mean, I see her now in her own very quiet way, but she, she knows who she are who she is, sorry, she knows where she wants to go um, mm-hmm. and she knows what she wants to do and she's very focused. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for me, just to try and encourage that. Um, and, you know, I think together, you know, our, our girls, because we all have very strong young women, I think together our girls are really going to transform um, this country and this world in a way in which we weren't necessarily able to do. And okay. it's not that there's not going to be some pushback there mm-hmm. certainly will be some pushback um, mm-hmm. from the power centers, you know, and mm-hmm. from the political and socio-economic elite and the cultural elite and the religious elite who are, you know, for the most part men. We know mm-hmm. that there's going to be some pushback, but I, I am actually very excited and hopeful um, mm-hmm. for their future, not necessarily because there wouldn't be challenges, but because I think they're growing up with a certain sense of self um, and a certain sense of their place in the world and where they mm-hmm. want to go that will make mm-hmm. um, their path probably a little easier than, than ours. I mean, I had to grow to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Empowered. I mean, I was always multi, but, you know, not necessarily firm in my convictions and not necessarily having an ideological position from mm-hmm. which I was evaluating issues but I mean I look at my daughter at 14 and I I can see she already has that Mm -hmm. so that for me is really encouraging Mm -hmm. well I I I, um I applaud that it's I know I know some of your children and I know um and I I know and see and have seen all of you guys so I know that y'all are outstanding models for your girls um you know I when I think about you three I not only, and this is not buttering you guys up. I mean, y'all deserve it. Women deserve to be buttered up. But not only are y'all brilliant, um, but y'all have a tremendous sense of humor, all three of you. Like, I would literally read stuff y'all write on Facebook and be, crack up laughing. And Akola, you are ridiculous. And <laughs> Salima, oh my God, you, I don't know where you come up with these lines. But... Melissa, let me tell you, Salima writes some things that really shocks little old me. Sometimes I'll inbox her and I'll go, Salima, oh my God. And she's like, girl, this is my outlet. You know, (laughs) I think, I think it's beautiful. I think I, you know, I think this conversation is beautiful and I think we should have more of them. And I think more young girls, um, you know, even beyond our own daughters need to hear these conversations and need to need to understand like what it means to be an empowered woman. It's not easy. I mean, there's a lot of pushback and a lot of fighting. Gosh, I feel like I fight every single day, but, but I believe that, um, that's, it's important. It's an important fight, you know, and the young girls in society have to see this. So I applaud each and every one of you. And I thank you for taking the time to hang out with me today. And, um, you know, hopefully we could do this again soon. And, um, I want to say thanks to each and every one of you. You're very welcome. It was fun. Thanks for thanks for putting this together. Okay. Yes. Thank you guys. Bye bye.